Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto. Back again for another episode straight out of Leander, Texas. I'm broadcasting uh, live on March 2nd, 2022 at 1.20 p.m. today, Central Standard Time, because I, I wanted to save my morning show for this afternoon because this is a time when I could have Elijah here with me from the Cannabis Genomes DAO and uh, talk about his project. And this is also a very special episode. It is episode 420. And (laughs) 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 And, uh, yeah, man, if you don't know what 420 is, um, well, you know, I I don't know what to tell you, but 420 happens to be the history of it came from, I guess, the police scanner uh, code for what was it? Well, do you know what 420 stands for in police? I don't know. I've heard a bunch of random stories about where this came from, right? But I, yeah, I had no idea that one. I think <laughs> yeah, like, something like possession of marijuana, or you know, right. some, I don't know. You know, I don't know. So um, if you know, then uh, you know, hit it up in the comments and and you know, educate us. But um, anyway, yes, I met Elijah at Dow Denver recently, and uh, he's also in the Dow Planet um, Dow with me as well, which is a resource base for people who want to start Dows and learn about Dows and Dow education and all that stuff. So you ask, what is a Dow? Uh, Dow is a decentralized autonomous organization. It is a um, organization that is horizontal and relies on something like code or protocol for. You know, things like treasury, things like voting, and uh, the, the the movement of the organization and any large decisions. Do you have any input on what uh, DAOs are, Elijah? Yeah, DAOs are fun. Um, <laughs> it's a, a honestly like the way I describe it to people. Um, right, this is term going around like the future of work, and and with the gig economy and things nowadays, like right, people are working for something like Uber, where it's like you're putting in time, usually when you want, but mostly on somebody else's terms. And uh, DAOs are a way to really like it puts it, uh, you know, the community, the individual in the driver's seat where, you know, you are not working for like Uber, you're working for this yourself, basically this community when you want, how you want with the people you want, sort of it's like the gig economy of the future um, that you actually have ownership of. I like that. Yeah, you put it in a more of a social context than I did. So yeah, Yeah. thanks a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we met in a DAO and DAOs are very social. And a lot of the DAOs happen in Discord. Um, He's also in the Bankless DAO with me. Um, So um, I just want to know a little more about how you, I mean, okay, I want to get a little bit of background on you first before we start talking about Cannabis Genomes DAO to kind of see how you meshed in your science background with your interest in crypto, with your interest in cannabis. So um, 
right. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, that's my sort of mishmash of things that I do and what I'm interested yeah, in. Right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some <laughs> other photos you shared with me over at dinner at Dow Planet, too. You get into a whole lot of stuff. You know, it's really cool, you know, to see kind of what a Renaissance person you are. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah, well, I've always just been, I've just been way too interested in way too many different things and unable to, to like commit to one thing for longer than like five years, because that's like, you go through like five year phases where I'm like, okay, like it was like, you know, uh, working in high school and figuring out the world when I first got into the cannabis industry, quote unquote, at a pre-medical uh, retail business um, <laughs> in my, uh, my old life and uh, then got into college and, you know, got uh sort of went down the biology route by by accident sort of my parents both my parents were nurses I had I was a wayward kid I had no idea what I was doing so I just kind of went to nursing school and uh you know I had good grades at least I was good at school I just didn't know what to do what I wanted to do um realized I nursing was I did not have the stomach for it like more power to everybody who is a nurse in, in the healthcare profession like power to you like you you would go through so much you know but like myself personally I just knew I couldn't I wasn't cut out for it um but I had all this biology credits and stuff in classes so i switched to sort of general bio and just luckily one of my professors was like hey do you want to come work on this research project i was like that's a thing you know <laughs> um, and i got into research like doing academic research in biology and chemistry uh published a paper and when i was an undergrad ended up like doing a bunch of uh volunteer work at columbia med center in new york city uh to build up my chops and got into grad school, came out here, moved out to California because uh, oh, while well, I was always very passionate about cannabis, um, longtime cannabis user advocate since, you know, young age and having gone down this academic route, it was always kind of like there's this that strong stigma still, or especially I was from yeah. New York, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so that was, uh, you know, kind of applied to all these grad schools and came out to California because I felt that calling and uh, studied genetics out here in Santa Barbara. That's where I live now, uh, UCSB. So that's where I got my PhD. And uh, towards the end of that, it was like, all right, well, I've always had sort of an entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial spirit. I was the kid who sold like, you know, candy, now and laters and pixie sticks in middle school, you know, like to hustle. So like, I always had that sort of mindset and coming towards the end of my PhD, it was like, well, I've got this passionate knowledge for genetics and research. Um, and, and I've got this passion for cannabis. And you know, how do I sort of put that all together with you know, starting my own business? So tossing around ideas in cannabis genetics for a couple of years towards the end of grad school. I ended up starting this company, this lab here where I am now, Delta Leaf, uh, in my garage, you know, when I was still in grad school. And, uh, but we've since moved into a commercial space a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, we serve thousands of growers around the world now at this point. We do testing, like diagnostic testing, research and diagnostics for genetics uh, hmm. for growers, predicting you know, what the plants are going to become. And we kind of have sort of like an ancestry test now. So you can figure out what you actually have. You don't have to rely on your friend and be like, oh, I've, I've got blue dream. You can make, well, I actually go figure that out. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so yeah, it's, a, it's super important for medical patients, right? So yeah, actually mm -hmm. getting access to consistent medicine, having that sort of knowing what you have is really important question. Um, you know, it's more than just a, oh, uh, this is this is cool to know. It's like, this is actually important and functional for me mm -hmm. and my, my therapy, right? Um, so yeah, that's where what we do with Delta Leaf is democratizing access to that sort of the genetic technologies and we're generating tons of data for people. So that led, you know, after a few years of doing that, uh, we always maintain that, you know, we, we don't want to be the shady data company or, you know, we act as consultants, our customers data is their data hundred percent. Right. But they're just like taking it and hoarding it now. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I incentivize yeah. my customers to share this data? 
So I started uh, being in crypto for a few years, just sort of passively learning, watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of other people have tried to apply crypto to cannabis in different ways for supply chain stuff. Mm-hmm. And now people are doing like NFTs or whatever, all these different things. But, uh, yeah, it was always about the data, you yeah. know, um, securing people's ownership over their own data and then giving them a place to, you know, you can do all that stuff on blockchain. You can give people ways to market, market, you know, put their own data on a marketplace essentially. Um, and so that's become, you know, this community now, this cannabis genome DAO community is building this marketplace and that I'm sort of kind of set the seed of that. And I'm just, now it's this DAO, right? It's sort of, we're trying to see this sort of like gig economy around this whole cannabis data, you know, ecosystem. Wow. That, that's, that's a whole lot of really good stuff in there. And it's a pretty good synopsis of, uh, I guess a long period of time. Cause you've been in this for a while. Um, so you specifically moved from New York to California to out of your interest in science and cannabis, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Wow. And, and then you plugged yourself in to an educational program that would help you pursue that dream. So you have been pretty focused since a young age, which is kind of a gift in a lot of ways, I would say. Not a lot of people are like that. Uh, not about focused, but more like meandering and being like, oh, this kind of goes together. This kind of goes together. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you're, you're a hustler at the same time <laughs> as an academic. And you don't see that too often either, because a lot of times academics are total eggheads and they just are completely out of touch from like day to day life and reality. Um, Yeah, you moved out to California and you've combined this kind of hustle, this hustle and bustle with academia and you've created a a DAO and a company based along your interest of science and cannabis. So tell me a little bit more about the cannabis data collection side of things, because I don't think a lot of people understand that when they think of weed and cannabis, they just think of movies like half baked and stuff like that. And uh, they think of these funny names and the head shops Mm -hmm. that you hear like blue dream and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit more about how data is collected and exactly what kind of data is collected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really exactly a lot of people don't think about it. Right. But, um, especially with cannabis, but, uh, as more people are thinking about now in the past couple of years about their on their personal data online, right. More people are starting to realize that this, this question of data ownership really pervades so many different things. Um, and with cannabis, it's no exception, right. Uh, and ultimately when it comes down to any plant or agricultural product, um, you know, there is, there are certain intellectual property protections that can be put on those things, right. You can get a plant patent. Uh, that is a thing. And uh, so if you develop a new uh, variety of grape, right, for example, the, the cotton candy grapes, right, pretty sure they got a patent on that. And like, they, there's, you know, anybody growing that has to give royalties to the person who, who uh, first patented it, right? They've got like a seven year claim on it or something. Okay. Uh, and so that's kind of how plant patents work. And people are starting to do that with cannabis. Um, and not just that, but uh, it's because of the, the rapid rise of, of, you know, legal cannabis markets in different parts of the world, particularly the U S um, there's so many other parts of the world where cannabis has been grown natively, indigenously, right, historically for thousands of years, potentially um, that are not part of this uh, global economy yet. And hmm. there's people that are kind of going around and, you know, visiting and, and, and interacting with these, these populations of people and, and sort of basically 
I don't want to say stealing, but like, you know, it's a, it's maybe not consciously stealing, but it's this interaction where they're taking these genetics and then bringing them to the open market and making millions and millions of dollars on them. And those hmm. original people who bred them and cult and cultivated and stewarded those genetics historically are not participating in that economy. Um, you know, I think that is one major area that we're focusing on as, as a DAO because we can be a global community um, and we can reach out to different historical, you know, like groups that have sort of grown these populations and, and get them to be involved in this global economy by just putting that, you know, by, by basically sequencing the DNA of their, their strain, putting it on blockchain and they have ownership over it, right? It's like kind of like an NFT. Okay. You sell it, you get royalties all the way down the line. Um, and people are using that data. Huh. So, you know, it's, uh, that's sort of the concept of what we're really trying to do with the DAO. Um, and that extends all the way up to everywhere on the current, you know, uh, global legal markets where people are producing new products and they want to protect their IP or they want to share that information, um, and monetize it maybe, but in a way that's, it's equitable and they get, they get their due, you know, what they're due for their work. Okay. So would you say that there's a centralization of the ownership of the data, maybe at the top and of the industry amongst a handful of people. And you're trying to democratize that and distribute out the, the money being made from that out to some of the creators, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely part of it, right? It's a, it's a, a two directional sort of flow where it's aligning incentives in both directions. Um, you can it, traditionally it's the right, the public private, incentive uh issue and this is just something that bothered me all throughout grad school all okay. sort of human, human knowledge right academic research so much of it is a locked behind paywalls right research mm -hmm. article you have to go pay pay money to download this this article that was funded by public money public research money like now i have to go as a public citizen i have to go pay to download this article what <laughs> um, it's ridiculous and they charge and a lot for it too they charge a lot they charge yeah. so much for this it is a racket um, and the, you know, so there's the rise of open access publishing in the past couple of years, but just as a human issue, like a humanity issue, like knowledge being locked away, people repeating the same thing over and over. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I did an experiment. I've done experiments where I'm like, I know somebody's done this, mm -hmm. but there was zero incentive for them to publish it either because they were at a private company and they weren't allowed to, or because no, but there was no incentive for them to publish like a negative result, right? Um, there's publication mm. bias in science. There's also these different things because of lack of appropriate incentives um, in terms of sharing knowledge, right? All these people are doing experiments with private companies. And they, so if you can incentivize people to publish that data by putting it on an open marketplace where they get paid for sharing that data, um, in, in an equitable way, um, then e whether they are from a private institution or from a, you know, they're public in, in an individual or from an academic or whatever, right there, there, that aligns those incentives. So whether mm. you're this up top of whatever, the way you described it, this centralization, this hierarchy, whether, you know, yeah. aggregating data, um, yeah, it incentivizes them to share it instead of hoarding it and hoping that maybe one day they'll get a patent on it. Right. No. You can get paid for it now. And yeah, frankly, yeah. you don't even actually have to expose the data with blockchain. You can do crazy things where it's like you keep it safe on your private server and you just through like this, you know, the web of blockchain, you can allow people to run analysis on it and get the results, but they don't ever actually get the data, the raw data. They don't get to uh -huh. see the data. So where is, it, the, is the data located in some kind of trusted execution environment? That's, um, yeah. 
and by that it's kind of by trusted execution environment i mean a little black box uh, for those that don't know what that is it's basically a black box where things can happen where even the operator or the computer can't see the data right yes and in that black box is essentially that black box is exists between your data and the the consumer of the data right so uh yeah published by publishing your data um like for example on what we're using it's called ocean protocol so this is the real mm -hmm. magic underlying of the tech of what we're doing with the, the cannabis data market um it's that it's that sort of middle layer so you keep your data on your machine and your computer and our like marketplace sits in between you just say you upload your metadata to a secure part and says i this is the data i have and if somebody on the other side of the market says i want to access that data um they can access it through the market without ever actually getting your data Itself. And they don't see any of your identity or where that data comes from. They just see only the data. Um, at this point, um, there is we're, we're basically baking in. We're working with Ocean, the Ocean mm -hmm. Protocol team, Ocean DAO, to uh, kind of work what we need for our implementation. Um, yeah. So right, we're a separate group. We're using Ocean's implementation. So they've got great fine grained permissions already built in. Um, yeah. And as we are taking that and sort of fine-tuning that to what we particularly need. So yeah, for example, I wanted to be able to, people need to be able to um, basically, yeah, hide their identity, you know? Yeah, you yeah. Can, I, right? Well, so this yeah. is super important for a cannabis data marketplace. Absolutely, so yeah. Super important for things like HIPAA-compliant data, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, yeah, things like that, there needs to be, um, there needs to be that extra layer of data, you know, privacy over, you know, seeing who actually is providing it. Um, and that mm -hmm. stuff can be done by, running like batch queries, for example, right? Yeah. Saying, okay, I want to look, if somebody's trying to find data to analyze, they say, I want to find all the data that meets these criteria. Just yeah. send, you know, let me analyze that data in a, batch, a big batch without, I don't even need to know where it's coming from. It can be completely anonymous, anonymous, but as long as it meets this criteria of, you know, what I'm looking for. Yeah, because I think of possible growers in places like Texas, you know, like where yeah. we aren't quite where California is on the laws, you know, as far as yeah. cannabis are concerned, unfortunately, you know, but that's yeah. the same bad. There's a lot of other places that are a lot stricter than Texas. Yeah, um, yeah true. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Louisiana to so, test them out. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, being on the data side and being on the genetic side, um, mm -hmm. I don't actually, we don't work with like as a lab, we don't want to work with the plant without people like sending us plants. It's all DNA, mm -hmm. you know, so we can ship ship kits like DNA collection kits anywhere around the world, okay. um, like samples. And so we do have customers, customers internationally all over, all over the globe that are sending us DNA samples. Mm. Um, cause it's just DNA, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, but, yeah, privacy is extremely important, especially when working with data, you know, and things like that. If anybody's going to be publishing stuff, you don't want to be getting in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. Like, um, this is not really about crypto or the, the DAO, but, uh, what I don't really, honestly, I've, you know, I've, I used to smoke quite a bit and everything like that. And kind of had some people try to educate me on some of the things the the characteristics and the traits of it but uh, yeah. are there some strains that are better for medicinal purposes and you know others i mean is that how the the dna genomes are used in order to try to tailor certain types of plants for specific types of uh, illnesses or conditions I mean, i'm very ignorant about that type of stuff no, you pretty much, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Um, but uh, and so that uh, the way I like to describe it, there's 
hundreds of you know, thousands of therapeutic individual molecules, compounds in cannabis. Um, okay. So THC is just one, right? Everybody in the past couple of years has heard about CBD. That's two, right? There's actually yeah. over a hundred, and those are members of the cannabinoid family, like the molecule, the family of molecules called cannabinoids mm-hmm. that are only found in cannabis. Um, they, there's over a hundred of those that are known. Um, like I can run a, a search on the genome sequence right now and pull out over a hundred different genes that have almost identical sequences to the THC gene. We don't know what they actually do. You know, okay. we don't know the <laughs> molecules they actually make. It's very, we know it's not the THC gene. It's very similar. Uh, it's a cannabinoid gene. You know, it makes something that's in that family of molecules, but we haven't identified what it is yet. Okay. Uh, maybe that gene isn't turned on at high enough level. Genes are active, right? So that's the kind of research that a lot of growers and breeders are doing right now. Yeah. Uh, with the, you know, with our lab, with our lab, for example, is they're going and trying to identify these new strains that maybe have these different gene sequences and then breed for them um, so that they can find out what these new cannabinoids are because there are people searching through the jungles of the Amazon and and Africa looking for this rare plant that might have one new chemical that's going to be therapeutic. There are hundreds over there. There are thousands of potentially therapeutically active molecules, Mm -hmm. the cannabinoids, terpenoids, flavonoids, alkaloids, all these different families of molecules that are found in cannabis that are known to be therapeutic. Uh, yeah. because they're found in other plants, right? Too. Uh, cannabinoids are the only, only ones unique to cannabis, but it's crazy. Like there's so many in this one plant, um, that we, that are so unexplored that, uh, that's the real like medical potential of cannabis and why, um, that there is some, there's so many applications emerging, uh, um, okay. therapeutic applications, right? It's not just THC it's CBD, right? There's so many potential combinations of ways you, you could get, um, like fine-tuned, uh, you know, metabolic and, and uh, endocrine regulation hmm. because of this plant. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, my dad has Parkinson's. I, I heard that it could be, you know, alleviate some Parkinson's symptoms as well. So, yeah. uh, so there's small teams of researchers in various parts of the world that are growing or searching for cannabis in the wild, looking for, the, you know, and analyzing it and getting specific, like you said, cannabinoid type of characteristics off of it. And they have this data, um, but they have no way to be able, I mean, so what you're doing with this project is allowing them to upload this data and in a way to monetize the data so it can continue funding their research, right? And it, it does so they don't have to go through some larger uh, corporation or you know some you know, pharmaceutical corporation and sell that information to them. They can sell it directly to somebody else who might peer to peer in a way who might be needing to use it as well. Yeah, in a sense, um, right now that's the that's sort of what we're trying to bootstrap is okay. getting people into that open source economy. Um, yeah. You know, and getting these these more these other private groups because it, yeah and again it's anywhere from individuals who are uh, maybe trying to cultivate their own therapeutic their, their cannabis for their own specific reason right either uh-huh. for themselves or somebody that they're a caretaker of um, or you know some group that they can right say for example like uh, Parkinson's or autism mm-hmm. other other things right if you're trying to optimize your particular varieties of cannabis for that. Um, Whoever, whatever group it is, whether it's a person or a company or academics, yeah, yeah. that uh, trying to get all those people to start publishing more data in an open source. <laughs> 
way. Um, yeah. Then you people, it, it sort of fuels that uh, that whole open source ecosystem. Once more and more people have access to more data, um, so the part I think what we're trying to do there is, is bootstrap a lot of that. So we're you know it's going to be free to upload and publish data to our marketplace, um, and then uh, so that's being we're funding everything with grants right now. We're I'm just applying for tons of grants. Uh, mm -hmm. Gotten a couple already, and uh, that's all just going to sort of bootstrap that initial growth and then once enough people are on the marketplace actually selling data the dow actually just takes a small transaction uh, commission and that goes okay. back into funding you know more people using it for free yeah um, yeah that, that's pretty incredible it um really helps people to self-fund themselves just from their data and you know um, it makes me think of the music industry and artists who, you know, have to traditionally go through record labels and all these middle people in order to actually reach their audience who will consume and use their art. And in the same way, that's what the, the, uh, the researchers are doing by collecting this data. They're putting in a way their art up there and bypassing the middle people. Yeah, <laughs> and then, exactly. Yeah. You know, or, and and that's the thing. It can be like so. It started with the genome data because that's what the lab you know does. That's what we have this community of growers already. But that's also I'm trying to like be like, okay, guys, I know you have a bunch of spreadsheets of just you know data you just tracked from your grow. Like that's yeah. <laughs> you can share that. Like how many of you guys have locked up all this tons of data that none of you are sharing because you have no incentive to share it. Yeah, like you could pay for your lights you know, with yeah. that data. <laughs> right. Just keep a good right. How many notebooks do you have? I know you got them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Um, so as far as the DAO, okay. So this could be a company, which you have Delta Leaf, and right. then um and then you form this DAO. So what are the purposes of the two different ones? Well, the lab has been around for a while, right? The lab's okay. been around since I started in 2016, first incorporated in 2017, um, you know, when I was still finishing up my PhD. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's to basically, that's the testing side of things, right? So okay. that started, we were doing testing and generating data for people. Uh, and then just this past year, 2021, it's like, well, then it's, it's about time to start some sort of community or way to empower people to start sharing this data that we've been generating for them for years. Okay. Uh, so that's when I started uh, telling the business partners, like, hey, guys, sorry, I'm working on the side project now. Like, <laughs> okay, guess what? We got I, we got a grant for the side project now. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, guess what? Uh, you know, uh, there's a Discord. Get in there. You know, like, there's yeah. a bunch of people doing it. You guys need to go check this out. You know, they're like, why are you spending all your time? Oh, this is super cool. You know, uh, so the, yeah, the DAO's just sort of taken off on its own and sort of a side project. Yeah. Um, and now it's just become this, you know, this big passion project of mine. That's just, uh, uh, you know, and then meeting so many other people in the DAO space and DAO communities has been fantastic. You know, but uh, that's sort of the relationship between the two is that the DAO started as a spinoff because of the need um, for what was resulting from the lab. You know. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that um, you know, marijuana, cannabis, you know, has traditionally just had this kind of head shop stigma and a lot of the the people gathering around there have kind of that i guess aura about them but uh this dow kind of creates a more educated scientific approach uh and a place to gather of those people who are focused more on that type of aspect of it and i think that's really cool um yeah so you have the marketplace that is yeah. forming um do you have any kind of roadmap for that <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. Actually, and let me let me maybe share a little on my screen here. I got some stuff. Okay. So yeah, it's been uh, just getting people involved. Um, might do a little tunnel vision for a second. Okay. Yeah, in the marketplace, um, in order to use it, you have a token. Um, is yep. what's the ticker symbol for that token? Uh, it's going to be CSAT. So C cannabis C -S -A -T. is the uh, the scientific name of cannabis. So um, CSAT is the, the abbreviation. But this is sort of the plan for the DAO, right? Just get people in uh, involved, get people involved in the community, get some grant money, and then uh, you know deliver this marketplace as our first product. Um, and and so the DAO is you know the community, and it's building. Uh, products to to incentivize uh, cannabis genome open source cannabis genome research, uh, and the marketplace will be. This is just a little infographic summary of that, right? So open source, community owned, right? It's owned by the DAO, um, and uh, there's this term going around called regenerative crypto economics. Mm -hmm. um, so like you know regenerative systems, like a system that will is perpetual, that can sustain itself, right? Sustainable system. Um, and so that's really the goal of this is to have it be like this, this economic system that, uh, fuels itself and fuels the people that are, that are using it and building it. Okay. So, so the, the people uploading data, um, they earn the CSAT token and then the people using the data, they pay in the CSAT token. So it's this kind of reciprocal, um, process going. Exactly. Yeah. So in order to, to, um, yeah, when you upload data, it's free. And then when you can, uh, you sell it and you earn CSAT token, right? People then use the CSAT token to, to buy the data as well. Um, you can even do things like staking on data where you're sort of curating. So if, uh, somebody uploads a data set and you say, wow, that's cool. I think this is, this is useful. This is going to get sold or used on this marketplace, right. And, and be have transactions. You can curate that data and say, this is, I think this is good data and stake on it. And then you participate in the commissions that are generated. Hmm. Uh, so the staking, does that help secure the network? It does. It does provide liquidity, right, for that, uh, for the asset, right? So the, actually the data sets, it's really interesting. They're actually uh, ERC-20 data sets. Um, okay. So they can actually, they're completely fungible. Um, it's, it's really interesting, again, because the data is on your local machine. You're then storing this, create data tokens. It's actually kind of, it's it's pretty crazy and complicated how, like I mentioned, this is built on Ocean Protocol, how all that works yeah. under the um, so we're trying to extract some of that, abstract some of that away and, um, distill this down to where, you know, you don't necessarily need to know how ocean works or even how, uh, a lot of crypto stuff works, right? We want it to be simple and usable by, you know, farmers, uh, okay. growing cannabis or people in, uh, right. Remote regions that maybe ne aren't necessarily tech heavy. So we're trying to simplify this down to a simple mobile app. Um, cool little front end where you can just go, Hey, you know, I've got this data. Um, it can even be a, a picture, right? Um, we can start aggreg uh, aggregating image data, um, yeah, and, yeah. and upload data and, and participate in that economy. Um, because then as again, it may be not an individual data set might not be useful, but if you can identify that data with meta or your, your picture with metadata, right. Then somebody who's trying to run analysis says, I'm looking for a bunch of pictures that have these type of metadata, you mm. can then participate in that transaction right uh on that marketplace wow 
Yeah. And so you're looking at an app and it's built on using those. So those are ERC 20 tokens built on Ethereum, correct? Uh, it's current. Yeah. It currently runs like ERC 20 tokens built on Ethereum. So it's uh, ocean market is interoperable with um, Ethereum, Polygon, Binance, uh, Smart Chain uh, and uh, Energy Web Chain right now. And we yes. are, we are deploying uh, this on uh, near protocol. That's what my next question was going to be, because I saw you have a partnership with NEAR. And um, yeah. so I didn't know if you were going to be migrating over to that blockchain or you know how that works. Yeah, so right now we've got uh, the ocean market, uh, you know, sort of rebranded as the Canada data market running uh, on testnet. And so getting that, uh, so Ethereum um, bridges with the near protocol through Aurora, right? It's the, the mm -hmm. Aurora EVM. So we're basically, that's where we're going to be deploying the cannabis data market. Okay. So it will be um, on the Aurora chain, which is right bridge to all these different things, so that we can have our DAO and our smart contracts and our CSAT token on near, uh, and then integrate that with Ocean. So that's uh, part of the big push that we're actually doing with Ocean is to, to integrate that on near. Cool. Um, so that we can do that because it's just honestly, personally, like the near near ecosystem has been fantastic in a supporting us and uh is just near has fantastic technology and i think the yeah, simplicity yeah. of using near setting up a near wallet where you just have you know like my near address is flowscience.near oh cool um, yeah it's really easy you don't have to get a separate <laughs> ens domain name like when you just when you register it that's it it's it's yeah. super easy it's cheap, it's fast, uh, it's really secure. They've got great, you know, zero knowledge tech coming up. They've got great mm -hmm. DAO technology. Uh, so it's just been good for us for, you know, just to set everything up super easy. And it's going to be, I think, really good to onboard people through that. Um, yeah. And then once we get them into CSAT and using the marketplace, then, uh, you know, if there's liquidity, you can bridge to any other major chain you want. Uh, okay. And that's, that's sort of the plan. Yeah. So I know a lot of people entering the crypto space or outside of the crypto space don't really know how the concept of wallets and how to use wallets and get them set up with it. And that seems to be one of the major stumbling blocks as far as getting people into this type of world. Um, how do you guys plan on going about that? Do you have some kind of wallet that would be built into the app or? Yeah. That's exactly why we're going with NIR because the okay. NIR wallet registration experience is so easy. Okay. You can do it with a, you know, you go, you sign up, like you're signing up for any website, you get a link to your email address and you click and you sign in and you use that link to, you know, then you can, you can change it. You can save your 12 word seed phrase, which is preferred, but uh -huh. really if you have no idea what you're doing, you can just get a yeah. link to your email address and sign up with, <laughs> you know, a flow sign or Elijah.near, right? Like you're John yeah. uh, uh -huh. and that's your, that's your wallet address. And it's just super simple. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. It, it all kind of ties back around to this integration uh, of being kind of a hustler with an academic, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I thought, yeah, there's so many reasons to, to that. So many people are building on Ethereum, right? It's yeah. the, main, the biggest chain out there right now. And um, for me, it's, it's um, there's, there's so many of those usability issues, right. For and joining joining up with DAOs and learning about, DAO onboarding, right? And getting people into these communities and what are the barriers to that? You know, it's like, well, there's these education barriers. And also it's just like, well, people are just, it's just confusing. It's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the same thing with wallets and all this stuff all the way down the line, right? It's turtles all the yeah. way down. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> 
Yeah, people are saying, you know, I, I'm into cannabis. I don't want to learn about, you know, wallets and, you know, blockchain. <laughs> but they know how to sign up for a website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, That's really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm coming up on time here, but uh, uh, how can people reach you and get information about your project and all that stuff? Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at flow underscore science. Um, I did have Google okay. flow science, but I had that years ago and blocked myself out of that account. Ah. <laughs> so flow underscore science and the website for uh, cannabis genome DAO is cannabis dot, uh, cannabis dot me. So it's cannabis genome, but, uh, at the very end, the dot me. Okay. The website address. And then the Discord as well. I just um, jumped in your Discord server earlier this morning, and I'm gonna, you know, um, start messing around in there. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. CSAT Genome is the Twitter for the Cannabis Genome DAO. Uh, links to the link tree, all these documents and stuff. This stuff I screen shared earlier. So check it out. Definitely hop in the Discord. Start asking questions again. It's just a uh, community. It's like gig economy. You just kind of show up, do you know, contribute how you want, ask questions, and learn along the way. And uh, the great thing about crypto is, oftentimes, you get paid to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing about DAOs for sure too. Yeah, you know, yeah, if you yeah. just start contributing, you know, if you hang around a DAO and you start seeing what needs to be done, a lot of times you could just take notes and meetings and then suddenly you'll start seeing some currency, you know, blow your way. Yeah. And it's just, and it's a buildup of community. And in this DAO, it seems like there'd be a lot of like-minded people. You don't have to know crypto. Um, you could just jump in with an in interest in cannabis and just start, like you said, asking questions and just, uh, you know, learning. So that's absolutely that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. Dude, and thanks for having uh, me on. Absolutely. And um, hopefully we can get a lot of people to watch this and learn about what you're doing because I think it's pretty incredible. So thank you, dude. Appreciate All it. Right. Yeah. I'll take care. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version, Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, please feel free to send it to eurekajohn.crypto or eurekajohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich. Yet. Thanks again.